This is Meditations for Misfits, and I'm Fred Gruy. Welcome. In this week's podcast, we offer a reflection on the healing stories recorded in the Gospel of St. Mark, Chapter 1, where Jesus healed many people. And we consider what did healing mean in Jesus's day, and what does it mean in our day? And I offer the suggestion that oftentimes we can be healed without being cured. The two texts that uh, Bob read to us from Psalm 103 and Mark 1 are really connected with this idea of healing. It says in Psalm 103 that God forgives all of our sins and heals all of our diseases. That like somehow those are connected. And then we have this text in the first chapter of Mark where after Jesus speaks at the synagogue in Capernaum, Peter takes him home for, you know, after church dinner. And they get back and they find Peter's mother-in-law is not well. So Jesus goes up and takes her by the hand and somehow in the interchange, whatever fever was afflicting Peter's mother-in-law leaves and mother-in-law is now better and gets up and kicks everybody out of the kitchen and takes over the assigned gender roles in that time and place, not in ours, of being the hostess and overseeing the hospitality and making sure everybody is cared uh, for and well off. So what is this about? For me, what these texts speak to is what did our ancient faith ancestors understand by this idea of healing? Because I think it's different than what our contemporary idea of healing may involve. So I uh, have spent a lot of time in thinking and research and study on uh, what that those differences might be like. And so I'd like to begin with a preamble or a phrase out of the preamble of the World Health Organization. And uh, they have a definition of healing that I really, really like. And so they say, the World Health Organization says, to be healed means to regain wholeness in the physical, emotional, intellectual, social, and spiritual aspect of the human experience. So a lot of words there. But what they're saying is healing involves an entire integration or restoration of the whole human being, not just my body, but my mind, my spirit, my emotions, my psychology. All that goes into making me me is integrated and brought together and restored. That's the idea of healing. And I that is much closer to the biblical idea of healing than what we may normally think. For me, the distinction is between cure and healing. In our contemporary world, cure is a medical or scientific term. Cure can mean, by surgery, getting bad cancerous tissue out of a body. That would affect a cure. Cure would be taking antibiotics so that bad bacteria can be flushed from my system 
or taking something to get a virus flushed through me. So that's cure, or, or bones knitting to a broken bone that gets knit together. That's a cure. But that's different from the idea of healing. Healing involves the whole of what I am as a human being. And so what I'm suggesting, and Wendy teased me about this, that I quoted myself in the top of the bulletin this week. What I'm suggesting is that there, you, can be, you can be healed without being cured. That healing doesn't necess necessitate a cure. A classic biblical example would be Jacob in the 31st chapter of the book of Genesis, where Jacob, who's wrestled all night with God, somehow in that interaction, Jacob is healed. His character flaws have been touched, and he finds some measure of healing. And the evidence of his healing is he now walks with a limp. So the evidence that he was healed is he can't walk right anymore. So there's a distinction between cure and healing, I'm suggesting to us. And that in our aspiration to make this place a sanctuary, a safe place, one of the things we aspire to is that this would be a place of healing. That's different than a place of cure. We have Ashland Community Hospital if you're looking for cure, or Asante or Providence Hospital if you want cure. Healing is a much bigger, broader thing. And so one of our aspirations as we work to help make the invisible God visible is that this would be a place of healing. Now, that speaks, as I read to you from the preamble of the World Health Organization, of restoring a person into their roles and relationships. One of the things in my studies that I've learned in the... Uh, in the first century of the Mediterranean world, often people that were sick or had a disease were quarantined. And so in the Gospels, you may read so-and-so had leprosy. Well, that's not the leprosy that you and I know. That, would, that leprosy, term leprosy covered a whole variety of skin diseases. It was basically anything that was contagious would be considered some form of leprosy. For you and us, think COVID, okay? People are really, really contagious, and you don't want them to infect others, so they would be quarantined. So in this time and place of the Bible, if you had one of those kinds of diseases, you couldn't go home. You couldn't live in your house. You couldn't go to work. You couldn't go to the local McDonald's. You had to be quarantined. And often, you had to live outside the town, and wait for your loved ones to bring food out to you, and you would often carry a big bell, and if anybody got too close, you would clang the bell and scream out, unclean, unclean, stay away, you can't come near. And so when Jesus would heal people, as it's recorded in the Gospels, he would frequently say, now go show yourself to the priest. And that was the way to gain re-entry back into your life. So that once the priest unquarantined you, you could move back in with your family and go to work and do all that stuff. And so healing involved being reintegrated into your relationships and into your job and into your life. That's what healing was about. 
Now, when I worked as a hospice chaplain, realizing and understanding this, I would often work with hospice patients to try to help bring healing. In fact, I wrote an article once that was published, Healing in Hospice. And in that article, I said, in the hospice world, we run about a 0% cure rate, but our healing rate is really, really good. And here's what I'm, so we work to help restore people to what, what could be done given the uh, status of their health condition or their age or whatever, whatever was going on, how can we affect uh, restoring them into their relationships and their roles? One of the ways I would often do that, I would meet somebody that was on their, their deathbed and they, they couldn't drive anymore, they couldn't do much anymore, and I would tell them, Look, you have spent so much of your life teaching your family, whether your mother or father or grandparent. You've taught your family what was important. Where your family is all freaking out right now because you're dying and they're terrified and they don't know what to do. So you can still teach them. Teach them how to die well. Teach them what it's like. So, and what I was trying to do was help restore that person's roles and relationships within their family structure so that they would have a measure of healing. Now, given the situation that they had, they couldn't do many things, but they could still relationally and in their role function well. That's healing. And that's what we're trying to, to create in this space. Given whatever life situation you and I are dealing with, how can we help each other restore all that we are into our roles and relationships. That's part of what it means for me to create a sanctuary, a place of healing. And that's why I harp every Sunday, we gather here for connection, not for perfection, because it's how we connect to each other and to the divine that's going to affect healing for all of us. So we aspire to be a place of healing. That doesn't mean we do it perfectly. Doesn't mean we do it well. But we're trying. That's what we're trying to do. And that is a huge part of who we are as a community. And I'm reminded of the wonderful Henry Nowen, who was a spectacular spiritual teacher and writer. And, and Nowen, his most famous book is called Wounded Healers realizing we're all wounded and we all need healing. So in our work to create an environment of healing, it is not done out of a place of arrogance or superiority. We all recognize we all need, and we're all just working at this together with the influence of the same spirit that energized Jesus in Jesus's ministry of healing. We believe as Christians that that spirit is with us invigorating us, enlivening us to be about the same kind of work. If we're going to try to follow Jesus on the way of radical love, we're going to try and participate in that kind of work of healing that Jesus did. Now, there's several things I'll mention about Jesus' healing ministry as recorded in the Gospels. Jesus really did a couple of unique things for that time and place. Jesus first of all, didn't charge any money. Now that was contrary to the common practice. There were a number of healers in Jesus' day. 
They all charged something, whether you had insurance or not. Whether you had a copay or not, you had to pay. Jesus didn't charge any money, which did not sit him well with the medical establishment of the day. They didn't like that. Got him into trouble. The other thing Jesus did is he traveled around to places. Healers in that day would set up shop and the sick would come to them. Jesus traveled around and took it everywhere. Two unique features of what Jesus was about. And the other I will reference is Jesus, as it's recorded in this passage, Jesus went off into the, to the hills to pray at night. And the way I read that, I suggest to us, whatever it was Jesus did to bring peace and restoration and, and healing to folks, it drew energy from him. And he would go off into the mountains to pray, to be alone with the source of his, his connection to the divine that we call God, to re-energize so that he had enough to give for the next day. And I would suggest that to us as well. As we go about trying to do good, trying to help make this a place of healing for ourselves and others, that connecting to the divine, however you do that, however I do that, that's really an important thing to keep in mind. So those are some of the lessons I get from these two texts that speak to us about healing, helping people connect to their relationships and their roles that are so important, and that this would be a safe place, aspiring to that kind of work, if we're, if we're really going to try to follow Jesus on the way of radical love.